0: Well, let me, uh, let me just open us in prayer here. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity just to come back with these guys and be back with these guys and uh, study your word and reflect on what you've been doing in the life of the church and look forward to what you're going to do more so. And uh, so uh, God, just challenge us. And um, uh, let us leave here today empowered uh, for the gospel. Uh, to make an impact on all those we come into contact with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Uh, If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 3, and I really want to look at uh, kind of Paul's prayer uh, for the church, and then I want to reflect a little bit on what God has done in the church uh, through the summer, and then talk to you about a few things that are coming up that hopefully you know about. Uh, And if you don't, there will be news to you. And then beyond that, uh, I want to take some of your suggestions and your questions about the church, and just kind of open open it up, kind of an open mic. Ask the ask the pastor anything. If if I know the answer, I will tell you. Uh, if I don't, uh, Justin will tell you. If he doesn't, I get new, I get a new Justin. That's really the way that works. And. Uh, so, uh, but Ephesians chapter 3, Paul, the beauty of, uh, of Ephesians chapter 3, as I've been, been reading it uh, this week, uh, I'll be honest, as you go back into Ephesians chapter 2, and even as you jump, for, jump forward even before that to Galatians, and we um, uh, Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 talks about the firm foundation and uh, Christ uh, uh, taking the many and making us one uh, in Christ, um, it it's it says as I'm, as I'm reading that I'm just reflecting back on what took place in Charlottesville over the weekend and uh, the, the the riots there and the you know the counter protest and then the two officers losing their life and the helicopter and you know it's just a, a sad thing it's a broken thing it's a difficult thing and um, just you know we live in a country uh, that has opened uh, its walls. Uh, to any kind, in any flavor. And they're all here, uh, from as far to the left as you can possibly imagine, to a, as far to what many refer to as the right as you can possibly imagine. And, and, you know, racism is alive and well. And it's a sad thing, and it certainly shouldn't be that way uh, among believers in God's church. And uh, as I was reading Ephesians chapter 2, I was just sitting there going, man. Uh, there's, a, there's a history there, and there's a reflective uh, opportunity for us uh, to make sure that there's not anything within our hearts uh, that, uh, that is unclean, that is impure uh, as it relates to uh, thinking about others. Uh, the way we should see others, regardless of whether they're far to the, far to the left or far to the right, they, the, the one thing they need is the gospel. And uh, some even may hide behind uh, passages of Scripture or words of Scripture uh, to support their racism or their hatred for uh, other groups and other people. And you can't find it in Scripture. What you can find is uh, that we're all in need of the gospel and, and a powerful in a real way. And where that gospel flows uh, out of is certainly individual believers, but really it's individual believers empowered by the work of the church and their lives, the corporate nature of us being together. And so uh, let me pick up reading uh, where Paul is uh, sharing, beginning in verse 14, uh, his prayer. Paul is talking to the Ephesian believers. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Paul says, I'm on my knees for you, uh, church. I'm on my knees for you, believers in Ephesus and, and the surrounding areas. He says, Who, um, I'm on my knees before you, uh, before the Father, uh, from where every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. In other words, through God's Spirit inside of us transformed us uh, I didn't touch on this passage but I almost did on Sunday uh, to uh, that God strengthens us through our inner person once we are saved uh, the spirit of God dwells in us it seals us it leads us it it convicts us it challenges us and, and the truth is if you look through Romans chapter 8 uh, although we didn't touch on that last week uh, if someone doesn't have the spirit of God living in them they're not Christians they're not saved they're lost. Uh, They're headed for an eternity in hell. And so Paul is praying for believers in here. He says, I pray for you uh, that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, as we just stop there, and we're not even at our focal passage yet, but he says, he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. That's the key. That's the core. Uh, that's the challenge. That's um, the magnetic draw for each of us is that. Once we have Christ in our inner being, we should be empowered by His Spirit, but out of that Spirit is that we are rooted and grounded in Christ's love. What does it mean to be rooted and grounded in Christ's love? That means everything I say and everything I do should be driven by Christ's love. Uh, If you're going to go to Chiapas with us, uh, part of the reason you're going is, yes, you're going to go to build a church, but it's because you love other brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who are in Mexico. Uh, If you're going to serve with us as a church, uh, at Fun with the Sun like we did last year for our 20th, uh, last Saturday for our 20th year to be in East McKinney. Uh, the, the truth is, uh, folks there and in many of the places we went on mission to this year, they can't give us anything. They can't repay us. Uh, they can't give back to us. Uh, when we go to Baltimore, inner city Baltimore, and when we go to uh, places in the Dominican Republic, the, the reality of they can't give us anything. We're not going there because there's a reciprocal arrangement that I'm going to scratch your back, you're going to scratch my back. It's uh, If you're in business, uh, part of the reason you engage in relationships with others is because, hey, as I provide you goods and services, you hopefully provide me monetary uh, response, that you can give me something back. Paul is saying here as believers, when we are rooted and grounded in love, when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we love people and we're willing to go and do for others uh, and care for others and minister to others in such a way that, that we don't care what we have back because the overwhelming motivation is that I love them through Christ. Now, that certainly happens on mission. But it should also happen in the church and among us is that we look around the church and there are people that don't worship like me. There are people that don't like the same music as me. Uh, There are people who don't read out of the same Bible translation as me. Uh, There are uh, people that just drive me nuts. Have you noticed that? That there are people in the church. Yeah, don't point right now, Keith. You can't point right now. They're in the room. Uh, You know, the the reality of it is there are always going to be people in the church that drive us nuts. There'll be people you don't like, and if you want to let your flesh take over, you'll 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 in quote sometimes hiding behind the cloak of the gospel. You'll go give them the business. You'll go you'll go you'll you'll go you'll go challenge them. You'll go talk to them. You'll go uh, you'll go jump on a teenager. Uh, because they're singing too loud. You'll go, uh, you know, you'll go, you'll go jump on this person because they don't know what they want. And, and, and you'll use Christian words. And uh, then, or you'll go look on somebody next to you and you'll you'll say, oh, look at them, you know, or someone comes in and you know they've got a broken past. And and what do you do? You'll go oh, and you'll kind of separate them out. And you won't love. You won't care. You won't, you won't embrace them like you want to, but the truth is what it reveals, it doesn't reveal much about them. It reveals everything about you, that you're not empowered by love, that you're not driven by love, that God's loving spirit is not working. And that word strengthened with power, that Greek word power is dunamis, dynamite, where we get our English word dynamite from. Let me tell you what, when you get motivated, moved by uh, by God's spirit and love, man, it's like an explosive dynamite. It's like a powerful movement in your life. And and I'll tell you, uh, if dynamite ever goes off, it it, it makes an impact on everybody it comes into contact with. Now, when your flesh goes off, it it has an impact on their life too, right? For the negative, if your flesh explodes on someone, it'll harm your relationship with your wife, it'll harm your relationship with your kids, it'll drive your friends off, it'll destroy a church, it'll destroy destroy a life group. It'll, it'll, do, it'll destroy a lot of things. But what does what, what the loving power do? Man, it drives us to serve and to love and to worship God in a real and a powerful way. And Paul is saying here, listen, here's how you know. Here's how you know if you are really empowered by the Spirit of God. It's when you grasp the true reality and the true nature of in the true immeasurable grace and love of God, that's when you know the Spirit's power is driving your life. It's when you find yourself loving someone who is unlovable. It's when you find yourself willing to go to East McKinney and just serve and just do. It's when you find yourself given to a mission cause just because. And you know in this world, they're not gonna give you a thing. It's when you sign up for a mission trip to go to the Dominican Republic, you know you're gonna be hot and sweaty, and the air conditioning is gonna be terrible even in the time you are in the hotel that night, and you do it because you love. And when you give or when you share, or when you do something, that's when we know we're driven by the love of Christ. And I love that. And he says, listen, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. There's that word again, together with all of the Lord's people, power with God's people. It's not power to the people. It's the power of the people. It's the power of God's people when we work together. But but how do, how does that happen? How do we truly have that power together, Lord's people? It's when we grasp. I love these words. Grasp that means hang on to, to that we hold on to. We grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love surpasses all knowledge. The love of Christ we cannot even begin to fathom. I, I don't know where you've been or uh, how much you've thought about uh, your f- reflecting on your nature of, uh, of, of your constant level or my constant level of sinfulness and the sinfulness in the past prior to salvation and the sinfulness in the present right now. I, I don't know how many times you've really come to grips and come to grasp with the fact that a holy, righteous, pure, loving God. When he looks at me, really has nothing to love. Comparatively speaking. Do you understand what I'm saying? Comparatively speaking. We can all look at someone and find something to love, right? right? We can find a little bit of a reflection in ourselves. Yes, he created us in his image. But the reality of it is I don't compare. Man, I can't even say I'm here and God's here y'all hear me say that from time to time in my sermons that i'm here and paul's here you know we can we can do that but i can't even put on the scale where god is as he's totally holy and pure and righteous and perfect and loving yet that god loves me and it surpasses all knowledge that means i'm not always going to understand what god is going to do You think of what God said through Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 55. God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. He says, as far as the heavens are above the earth, that's how far my love is above your love. That's how far my thoughts are above your thoughts. That's how far my ways are above your ways. And there are times that we don't know. But what we do know is that if we let the Spirit empower us and embrace us, that we absolutely are going to find ourselves in the middle of ministry. Sometimes it's not the middle, it's the muck. It's the muck of ministry. We're going to find ourselves in the muck of somebody's life. One of those occasions just happened, and I'll probably bring it up this Sunday morning. Uh, How many of you were here uh, back in July when I was preaching on Daniel in the lion's den and I said someone had a fiery furnace yesterday and someone from our church had their, had their house struck by lightning. How many of you, everybody remember that? You may not have known, but that also happened 10 days ago. Another member of our church, house struck by lightning, about a mile from the previous house. Guess what we did as a church? There were, there were a number of people in the first house uh, we didn't realize how it went. It was one of those one of those learning experiences for the church. My wife went over there four or five days and would roll out of bed at six in the morning, show up about six thirty in the morning, and they would just pull stuff out of the house. And for the insurance companies, they would categorize everything. They'd write every, you got to write everything down if you're going to get your contents. That's the way it works. I don't get it. I know if there's an insurance agent, I don't understand if I'm paying for a premium. How come I don't get what what I've been paying for? All right. But that's not the way the insurance companies do it. You've got to categorize and itemize everything after uh, the fire. If you want to get paid, you've got to itemize it. So we had several groups from our people and life groups going over to that first house. Well, the second house that got burned by fire, I heard about it. We were on a Monday morning. It wasn't this Monday. It wasn't, wasn't yesterday. It was last Monday. About halfway through our Monday meetings, we, we, stack, we, we try to make our, our Mondays miserable because we're all kind of miserable here on the staff on Mondays. Uh, we've either been, uh, either had, we're exhausted or whatever. And we know there's going to be no creative juice flowing. So we say, well, let's just plan our meetings. Uh, we know there's been good things that happened and bad things that happened. And it's, we call it fix it Monday. Uh, we get in all these meetings. You just roll from one meeting to another meeting to another meeting. Uh, and we just live on coffee and quick naps. And then our ADD kicks in and it, we have fun meetings. Um, uh, Boy, if you don't have ADD, you can't follow our meetings here at the church. I mean, if, if you've got a one track mind, you won't enjoy our meetings here at the church. Um, but so uh, we, we hear in the morning, hey, by the way, Burton and Melanie's black house, black's house was struck by lightning. So Monday afternoon, I rolled over there and said, uh, said man, how y'all doing? And they're, they're just smut, head to toe. That there's a mild light, that one of those lightning storms roll, rolled through, and he was laying in bed and he, he said all of a sudden I saw this massive flash of light and heard this sound, and he thought, "Man, that's close." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so uh, he said, "I'm hot, why don't you get up and turn on the air conditioning? And as she walked out of the room, uh, uh, she, she saw things glowing. And she said she smelled smoke, and that means it was close. And so she said, I kind of just started looking around, and, of course, being the the leader that he was, like me, uh, he said, hey, go see if something's wrong. And uh, so she walked around, I walked out in the backyard and looked up, and she said, it's like there was a UFO in my roof, and it was just glowing, and the fire was happening. And so they, they kind of told me the story, and I said, well, let's see if, if we can expedite the process. David and Susan, Susan, it took them about a month, really, to get all the things out of the house because we didn't know. We'd send two or three people over at a time, and they would write them down in a notebook. And so we said, well, let's see if we can help out on Monday. Monday, that was last week. Let's see if we can help out on Wednesday. And so we just kind of put all uh, newsflash to the church, Uh, Our youth pastor Chase sends a text. He's on a text with our with our youth ministry, and says, "Hey, anybody want to come help? Wear nasty clothes and show up at nine in the morning on Wednesday morning." So this Wednesday it happened. Over thirty of our youth show up at this house. Was give God a hand on that, and uh, what we thought was going to take a day in an hour and a half. They had carried everything out of the house, written it down, categorized, and within an hour and a half, no, their life's not put together. But now they just sit there and they just scan and they send all of these letters to all the items, and it's over. And now they got to go about finding a place to live during the remodel and all of those things. And I thought, man, that's that's the power. And to hear Chase reflect on some of the kids who grew up well off, who were walking into a house that had everything burned down. He, he, he said, man, what an incredible testimony when we had lunch. Now, part, part of the downside in that deal was when he said, hey, I'm going to send a text to all of our youth. I said, you tell any youth that comes that the pastor will buy them lunch. That's the downside. <laughs> uh, I was I was hoping out of lunch to get three or four, not 34. Um and so uh, I got a pretty expensive lunch bill. We had, we, had, we had headed off to Norman to move my daughter in, and I left him my credit card. I came back and, you know, in a spiritual way, said, dang. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, because uh, I texted him when I knew they were going to be there, and I, I said, hey, how's it going there? And how many showed up? I expected him to say, literally, three or four kids showed up, and I'd have said, cool. And he texted me back and said, 34. And I was like, what? (laughs) And I'm immediately, because y'all know, uh, I'm also a cheap pastor. Uh, So then when they got it done in an hour and a half, I was like, well, it's not lunchtime. Just send them home. Uh, But I thought, man, what an incredible thing. But but we've been seeing that kind of movement in the life of our youth all summer. I mean, from youth camp. Y'all heard me talk about youth camp in here. We had some amazing times in youth. And we're beginning to see in our youth the empowerment of the Spirit and the love of the gospel. Uh, If you were here um, a Sunday night uh, for our night of worship, uh, you got a chance to see our youth down front, not standing and not sitting in seats, not standing around down front, worshiping God in a powerful and a real way. And we're starting to see it in our our young adults and our internship. And so I love that idea. And to know the surpassing uh, knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When we are filled with God's love, we are filled with the measure. What does it mean to be filled with the measure of the fullness of God's love? What What it means is that we will love the unlovable. We will care for everyone who is lost. We will not wish for anybody to remain unsaved. That's the measure of God's love. I mean, the measure of God's love is that God looked down in eternity past at what he knew we were going to be. And he knew what this world was going to be, and he chose to send his son anyway. That's the measure of God's love. That's that's the measure of the fullness of God's love. And the more we gather and gain a knowledge of who God is, the more that same love will flow through us, In our energy, and our words, and our mindset, and our relationships, and in our church, and in our finances, and now look down to here and look at this. What what a beautiful thought it says. Now to Him, always back to Him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. To Him be the glory. Where is the glory? What is it? Where is it? Read it. In it's in the church, right? That means that there's no glory in John Mark, that, that the, there's no glory in the deacon body. We've got a great deacon body. There's no glory anywhere else, but the glory comes to the church. The glory comes to the church. According to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church, and to Christ is the glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Look at this. Now. Remember I talked, uh, not Sunday, but the Sunday before, I talked about that now. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, there is a now. The now is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But I said right before that in Romans 7, there's another now. He says, man, wretched man that I am. He says, that there's a war that wages between my flesh and my spirit. That which I don't want to do is exactly what I find myself doing. And, 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 and those things I want to do, oftentimes I fall short and don't do. And Paul says there's a now right here. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. When is God capable? In the church and in the believer's life, when is God capable of doing more than we could ask or imagine? When is it? Now, exactly, right now. Right now, regardless of how young or old you are, how strong or weak you are, or how agile or feeble you are, or how spiritually mature you are, or how spiritually immature you are, right now, God is able to do more in your life and in your family's life than you could ever imagine. And I love the testimony of what you just said a few minutes ago, just some things that need to change. And the truth is, I want you to hear, and, and hopefully you've known uh, uh, now after twenty-two, two two and a half years, that um, I don't even feel like I'm close. I've come close to arriving at where God wants me to be, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, and as a friend. And as I think back at our church and the long history of our church back to 1882, and if you, many of you, if you didn't know, if you're new here, you might think, "How, how old is this church? All the way back to 1882. But as I stand here today in August of 2017, there is within God's heart and within His will for this church and for people and men, men in particular in this church, that now God wants to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And Let me tell you what, God's done some neat things. Particularly, I I, I, I didn't know... Uh, uh, don't know much of what happened between 1882 and, and, and 2005 or, you know, nine, 1995 when I came, 22 and a half years. Sorry about my math. I remember when someone first came to me. Uh, I was on staff at, at Prestonwood, and uh, I, I knew it was time, and I'd been talking with Dr. Graham, and he was very gracious. And uh, I, I began to say, you know, I think it's time for me to go pastor a church. I think it's about, about that time. And uh, someone not long after that said, "Hey, would you consider going pastoring a, a, a church in Fairview?" And my immediate spiritual response is, "Where in East Texas is that?" I lived in Plano at the time, off Parker Road, and uh, uh, I, I, I literally I'd never heard of Fairview in my life. And I, I thought, you know, I know that uh, there's a fair field because that's where when I drive from Houston, where my family is, to up here, where you stop and get the rolls, and my mom always got a piece of pecan pie. How many of you know where Sam's is? Okay, good. And I was like, where in the world is that? And so when they say, well, it's really not as far as you think. And so I remember I drove up here one afternoon and. I just drove by the old church over on Highway 5, and I said, well, that's kind of out of the way. Why would somebody build a church over here? And then Gene and I drove by, and we looked at it and stopped out in the front, and we really got out. We were driving a little five-speed Toyota Corolla. Uh, that That was a great seminary car, man. Uh, the way we way we got that car is when my wife um, graduated from college. Gina, uh, her father had passed away before that. Both of our fathers had passed away uh, early, and um, she thought uh, she thought her mom thought. Well, we got to build you some credit, and we've got to get you a car now that you're going to be a school teacher. So they walked in to the Toyota dealership down in Houston somewhere, and there was a uh, and she graduated in December. And so she walked in just like you see on the commercials. Little right in the center of the showroom was a white white Toyota five-speed Corolla with a red bow around it. (laughs) Not kidding you. Not kidding you. We drugged that bow around with us for several moves, and I finally said, I'm out on this bow. And so her and her mom walked in and bought that white Corolla. Bought that white Corolla. And, uh, so we about a year and a half later got married. I, I wasn't in on that purchase. And so she, when we got all together, I said, Hey, I'm, I'm you know, I've kind of got a finance background. I'll handle all the finances. And I said, well, show me, do you have a payment book or something like that? And she said, yeah. And so she handed me the payment book and I said, well, what have you been paying? I'm looking at the coupon book and, uh, I'm looking $295 a month. Yeah. Then some of y'all are going, what? I said, well, how, how long did you finance this for? And like 60 months. I'm like, what? And I'm just quickly doing the math going, did you buy a Mercedes? And then they were charging her 16.5% interest because she had never had a job. And so my number one goal was to start paying off that little Toyota Corolla. <laughs> and then I drove it to seminary. I gave her my car. She took my car because it was nicer. Um, <laughs> But we go, we go over to Old Fairview and we stopped there and we, we, we just parked in the parking lot and we prayed and we ended up, and after you've heard me if you've been around here you're sharing the story. First night we go in, both of us walk through, we're going to meet the uh, uh, search team and uh, we walk through the back of the old worship center and when we were walking through the back of the worship, old worship center and looked down that little aisle, we were at Prestonwood at the time. We both stopped and it was like the Spirit said, this is your place. And we stopped, and we were holding hands, walking across the back of the aisle, and we stopped and looked down the aisle, and I looked at her, and she looked at me, and I, we just squoze, squeezed hands, squeeze, squeezed, squished at hands. And we knew then. It didn't matter what was going to happen in that back room where we did our interview, but this is where God wanted us. And probably when we went there, um... If you were to ask me, Pastor, in your wildest dreams, write out your plans for the next 22 years, I would have written out some pretty big plans and some pretty big dreams. But I would have never written anything out like what God has done. I didn't go to that church to see it become a monster church and relocate and um, own 70 some odd acres here on 121. I, I didn't. If I'd written down my plans and someone put them back to me and said, write some bigger ones, they wouldn't have been this big. And as much as God has done with us over the last 22 years, can I just remind you of a word? Now. Now God is still able to do more than we can ask or imagine in our next 20 years. Is that a song? Can <laughs> God is still able. And I don't know where you are in your life individually, I, I, don't, I don't know if you're, you're in the sweetest spot you've ever been in spiritually. If you're in a growth mode spiritually, I, I don't know where you are. I, I don't know if you feel like, man, I've blown it for 10 years or I've blown it for 20 years, and man, I should be here, but I'm here. And if that's you and you're here, can I tell you now God is able to do immeasurably more? Then you can ask or imagine, according to the power that works within us. We're going to see that word us here in a second. I, and I don't, I don't know if you're not here. If you think back, and I'm looking in the room, a couple of guys that just a couple of years ago who've been incredible joys to my heart, seeing seeing where, where God has taken them in a couple of years, and they look back over just a couple of years, and some in this room, you were here two years ago, but two, now you're here. And you think, "Wow, can God do that again?" Can I tell you about one word? Now, now, God is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. There are some in here that that you're still relatively young, and man, you 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 know, uh, uh, you've got a lot, a lot of life ahead of you. Can I tell you now? He is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. There are some who say, boy, I wish my now was four decades ago or three decades ago or two decades ago or a week ago. Can I tell you, regardless of your age, now, He is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. And that has to do with me personally, spiritually, with my character and integrity. That has to do with my family. That has to do with my relationships, my job, my church. God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or think. So notice what he says. He says, now to him who is able, who's able, God is able to do more. He's doing more. God isn't just simply able to do more what we can ask or imagine. I love what Paul does there. He says, God is able to do more. Can can I tell you, I get the sense within this that Paul is reflecting back on his life as a Pharisee. Remember, he was a Pharisee as to the law. He was an expert. Uh, He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, uh, circumcised on the eighth day. I mean, Paul had it all. Paul was a persecutor of the church. Paul hated the church. And now Paul's reflecting back on his own life that what in a few short years God had done in his life. And Paul is even saying to himself, as much as I think about what God has done, God is still able to do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. What an incredible thought. God is still able to do more than I can ever ask or ever imagine. He says more. He says according to what? It says according to his power. That works in us. It's not God, it's not my power that's gonna make it happen. It's God's power working in us. So, what is my job? What is my job as a believer if I want to see God do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine? What is my job? Somebody just give it a shot. And, and if you're wrong, I'll just buzz you. I mean, what is my job? It says it says this: according to his power that works in us. If I'm going to see God do immeasurably more than I can, I can ask or imagine, what is my job? Availability? What's somebody else? Pray and hang on. Pray and hang on. Absolutely. I do it through me. Absolutely. All of those are true. Did someone have something back there? Or are y'all still dozing off back over there? Keith, did you, did you swing something? Or, it's... Exactly. Exactly. Man, as you think about it, you pray and hang on. I I love that thought. Pray and hang on, but part of that prayer is pray and say, God, what do you want to do in me? Because I'm willing to be available. And did you say something, Chuck? Or did, did you, you you said something? Yeah, you you yeah. He whispered in your ear. You probably said something Catholic. Uh, man, I that's that's what I do. Did you get that? All I do is be, Paul is saying, you pray. Because this whole thing is a prayer, by the way. I kneel before God and pray for you. I want you to know as your pastor and as a staff, we pray for our church. We pray for you. I, I, I don't want to over-spiritualize this thing, and nor do I want to lie to you. We don't pray for all of you by name every Monday morning. We don't. Sometimes your names come up, (laughs) but it's not in prayer. Uh, We we pray that God that our people, man, when we when we when we talk about it, man, um, you know, Justin. Sometimes we pray that that God would raise leader, and Justin Justin praises. He leads us and our, our staff and our senior staff, particularly pray. God would raise up leaders to start new units and start new classes. God. He prays that. Well, Keith and our worship team, they, they pray that our people would embrace worship. And Keith, if you, if you know Keith, would embrace worship and mission. Man, if you don't, if, if you've, you, you may see Keith up there singing. If, if you haven't been with Keith on a mission trip, you need to get, get on a mission field with Keith if you don't get to know who Keith really is and see his heart. Man, and our youth staff, and to, to hear them talk about and pray about our youth and what God is doing. And hear our young adult team talk about their their goals and their desires to what they want to see God. And and all of those words that you pray, you be available, you be available, you let God work through you, and then you hang on. And that is my call. It says, according to the power that works within us, my job is to open myself up to let God work through me in an immeasurable way. You say, if God is so capable of doing this, why don't I see this in my life or in my church? Why? You want to know why? Because I think, sadly, we're not willing. We want God to do something incredible. We just don't want Him to use us. Because guess what? When he uses us, it's my energy, it's my time, it's my resources. It's my this and my that, and it's my availability.